Hello, I'm T.S. Wright, and welcome to The God-Centered Concept. Episode 8, The God-Centered Process, Part 4. So, now that we have understood what purchasing pure gold refined by the fire is, and white garments in the eye salve, and we're learning how to use these things and apply these things, then we need to move into the next part of the process. And that part, this part of the process involves some reaction from Jesus to us, but then also we play a part in this role as well. And it's really about our response. And our response in this particular instance comes right after Jesus puts something in our heart. And so let's kind of dive into that, what that is. So we're going to start off, and I'm just going to read Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. We've talked a lot about 18, and now we're going to move to 19. Those I love, I rebuke and discipline. Therefore, be earnest and repent. So let's look at this for a few moments and, and really see what's going on here. So we have four key things that have been brought up to us. All right. Two, again, involved what Jesus does with the, through the Holy Spirit in our hearts. But then also the last two involve basically how we respond to that. See, I think so often what happens is, is we receive Christ through salvation, but that's kind of that's just a starting point. And the problem is, is the Holy Spirit starts putting more in our heart, and He'll put new things on our heart, but then we stop responding. We kind of get in this mindset to think that we've we've attained it, that we've already gotten there. Well, the truth is, is we haven't, and. The real truth is, is we never totally will in this life. We sort of have to adopt a mindset that we're never there. We're never going to totally arrive. We have our confidence in our Lord, Jesus Christ. We have our confidence in our citizenship in heaven. And we do place our confidence there. So we don't have to fear that part of our existence after we die. Okay. And what's going to happen to our spirit. However, we also cannot have a mindset that we have arrived because the truth is, is we never arrive here on earth. We always have our sinful nature that is being tested and that we're facing temptation. And there's times that we're going to fail. No matter how mature we are in the faith, it's just going to happen. Okay. But even in those situations and circumstances, how we respond and how quickly we respond matters. So let's, let's break this down here. So, the first part of this is that Jesus loves us and those he loves, he rebukes. And then those he loves, he also disciplines. And then there's our response, which is to be earnest and then repent. So let's look at what these are. We're going to, we're going to take a deep dive into, into each of these. So first of all, Jesus loves us and rebukes us. Okay, so we got to stop for a moment there. If we read 
And one of my favorite passages for this is going to the book of Hebrews. First of all, that is, I love the book of Hebrews. Um, There's so much to this book and to this, I should say, this writing of the New Testament. But for this particular point, we're going to go to chapter 12. Okay. And we're going to start off with verse four. It says, in your struggle against sin, it doesn't say if you're going to struggle against sin. It says in your struggle against sin, you are going to have struggle at times with sin. At some point in your life, there's going to be times and circumstances that are going to cause us to struggle. We're going to have weakness. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Wow. So that resistance has got to be strong, okay? To the point, resisting to the point of shedding blood, I think Jesus gives us a depiction of that when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and how his anxiety about what was getting ready to happen that he started literally sweating blood, okay? So this kind of gives us a little bit of a, a good visual of understanding how, how far we need to resist. And really what it boils down to is that even when it's painful, we still need to resist. Even when it's painful and it doesn't feel good, we still need to resist. And you have forgotten, this is verse five, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take lightly the discipline of the Lord and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastises every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. Wow. So we jump from actually being directly disciplined to we're going to have some suffering this life and we also need to treat it the same as we do discipline. See, God is treating you as sons for what God is not, for what son is not disciplined by his father. If you do not experience discipline like everyone else, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Furthermore, we have, all, we have all had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and, re, and we respected them. Should we not much more submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a short time, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, so that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your limp hands and weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet so that the lamb, the lame, excuse me, the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And then it goes on. If you start going to verse, verse 14, it's a call to holiness. It's funny that Paul layers out holiness right after discipline. Okay. Well, guess what? We see these combinations playing out in Revelation chapter 3 in that same process. So there's obviously something to this process, and it's it's being reiterated by more than one writer, by more than one author. This isn't just John repeating something. This is now Paul in Hebrews saying basically the same thing. He's given us the same overview that this whole thing with discipline and holiness and, and walking in righteousness, it all works together. You see, we're going to be if we're truly walking in the spirit, the spirit is going to rebuke us. Okay. The Holy spirit is going to rebuke you. He's going to work to change you and through what we call conviction. Okay. So just kind of follow me here for a minute. I know this is a hard concept, but it is a necessary one. If we want to get into total alignment with God's will, 
God's will and only God's will is what cleanses us from our unrighteousness. See, this rebuke and this conviction, which is a huge part of his will, and it's in, in the will really is about it changes us and it's supposed to change us. When we get to the response part, that's our part that we have to play in. That's our role that we have to play in this. So Jesus isn't just rebuking us to just rebuke us. He's doing it to create a change, a transformation. We'll get to that here in a minute. But there's there requires a response on our part. However, let's keep going here. We cannot do what he wants unless we are willing to embrace the conviction, as we've just stated, of the Holy Spirit to perfect to perfect us into the will of God. My question is, and this is really the big question, do you want to get in perfect alignment with God? Because if you do, you have to be willing to embrace the rebuke of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Basically, that is allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us and at the same time, us keeping our hearts soft and responsive to him, his will, and his voice. If we can't hear him, I'm going to say this. There's something incredibly wrong. You should be able to sense the presence of his voice and his conviction. If you feel his conviction, that's a good thing. Okay? That's awesome. Because guess what? That means your heart is at least soft enough to sense his presence. But if you don't feel conviction when you know you're doing something that's out of line or you're not in alignment with God's will, then there's something incredibly wrong here. Okay. And so we need to, you know, we need to backtrack a little bit and get back into those first three steps of the process. That means somewhere in those first three steps of the process, we're off. Our walk is off with God. Now, Allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us, and again, keeping our hearts soft and responsive and being able to hear this is going to allow the transformation to come. And it's also going to clarify God's will in our life. And the first part of that will is, is that we get just, we get right with him. That is always the first part before he can start sending us out and doing his word. We have to be whole in his word. And that means repentance has to be a part of this. And we're going to get to that in just a minute, but I want to make sure that we, we understand where this is leading to. We've got to get back in total alignment with God. Okay. And we have to embrace his rebuke. However, the rebuke part is not enough. We also need the discipline part. And the discipline part is the part that is about the structure. So we have rebuke, which is really the conviction. All right. And and the correcting, and then there's the discipline, which is really a restructuring, okay? And what it does is we need to be restructured into moving God's way. So he's not just going to tell you what you're doing wrong. He's going to show you how to do it right, and that's what the discipline is. The discipline is about getting you going in the right direction. So it's not just a understanding of the wrong and identifying that and us acknowledging that because confession is a part of this process, okay? But there also has to be direction. It doesn't do any good. Like when I used to coach, when I coached basketball, um, I would correct my players. But it doesn't do any good for me to tell them what they're doing wrong if I'm not going to direct them into what they need to do right and how to do it right. 
Okay, so these details matter. And discipline is about going in the right direction. It's about pointing you in the right direction. It's about teaching you to go in the right direction. So the Holy Spirit doesn't just tell us what we're doing wrong. He also tells us what to do right. But we have to really slow down and listen. You know, everybody, most of you probably know this, be still and know that I am God. Well, part of the stillness is being able to hear this whole process so much we focus just on confession and think that's it. But it's not. We need to be patient and let the structure and the discipline of the Lord, the structure of it, correct us in moving us into the right direction. It can't just be not going in the wrong direction, but it has to be about going in the right direction. His word and his spirit will direct us. All right. And let me clarify this. And I've made mention of this before. His word and his spirit will always be in alignment. Remember that. Okay. So now we have this conviction, this correction. We have this now, this discipline and this structure and him leading us in the right direction. Okay. Now, and, and we get that through his word and through his spirit. We do that in prayer. Okay. We have to be patient with the process and then requires a response. Okay. So the first response to this is being earnest. So what in the world does being earnest mean? Okay. Remember this, as we're being corrected, okay, and then we're being restructured to go in the right direction, the end goal of all this truly is transformation. It's not to be punished. It is to be transformed. But it requires this response of earnestness. And what is earnestness here? The earnestness is that we are going to seek God at the very highest level with every fiber of our being. That means we are going to throw away everything else for a few moments. We're going to release any attachments that we have to the world, and our only attachment is to God. See, if we start with just our attachment to God, and we follow that, and we rid ourselves of other attachments first, then God will give us the proper things in life that we need to connect to. Okay. He'll, he'll do that naturally, but you have to wait on him and you have to be patient with him and you have to seek him with every fiber of your being, with all your mind, your heart, your strength. You know, it really goes back to the first great commandment. And that is love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That means every aspect of who you are is directed and centered around God. He is the king and you are the vessel, not the other way around. We don't, we don't strong arm God into our will. <laughs> we reshape our will to fit God's will. And we have to remember that. And this earnestness is a big piece of that. And there's an, it, it, it implies emotion. It implies intensity. It implies focus. It implies action. It implies thought. It implies to, in, contemplating every aspect of God. It understands who he is. It's seeking who he is. It's pursuing who he is and it's pursuing his will. And we get that from his word and we get that from his spirit through prayer. Okay. So, and I will tell you another aspect of this can be, is definitely plays into this is fasting because the Bible tells us to fast. It doesn't ask, it tells us to do it. And we'll, there'll be other episodes that we'll eventually get into that and how that works and why that's so important. But for now, we are focusing on this earnestness. There's just, there has to be an intensity about it. And as we seek and pursue him more, what eventually should happen is 
in this earnestness is that we should grow for a hunger for his word. That means we want his word as much as we want our next breath. When we get to that point, now we have the level of earnestness that God is, is wanting us to have. And we do that with the power of the Holy Spirit working inside us. And we have to submit our will to him constantly. And sometimes you'll eventually learn to do that automatically, but that takes time. Okay. You have to practice it. All right. We've talked about cellular memory and developing cellular memory. Well, here's where we're developing cellular memory. It's constant for a while. You have to practice it. You have to have a, you know, you may need some routines and you need to spend time doing it and you need to develop quote, your spiritual muscle memory, so to speak, developing it in that cellular memory until it just becomes an automatic process. You know, the NFL has an interesting way of, of putting how it really works, how they become great players, how players become great and can play at that level. You can practice until you get it right. Or why don't you practice until you can't get it wrong? Practice it right until you can't get it wrong. Okay. I'm going to say that one more time. Practice it right until you can't get it wrong. And as you do that with the word of God and you seek him and you dig deeper and you dig deeper, then that's what will eventually happen. It will, it takes time, it takes energy, but eventually it happens. Okay. So I think this is, this is extremely important right here. This earnestness thing, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. It really does because this is our response and this response will actually lead to the second response and make the second response not as terribly difficult. All right. But it's this first response. It is about seeking God for who he is. It is about seeking God for his word and his will and it is bathing in it. Okay. And it is constantly pursuing it. Okay. Remember, we're never going to totally arrive. Not while we're here on earth. Okay. We will once we die and we go in it, we, we go to heaven and we're with the Lord. We won't, we won't need that. We'll have his presence to cover up our need, but understand that this process is all about earnestness. Everything hinges right here. This is really where the rubber meets the road in spiritual maturity. It truly does. You know, most people can understand the first three parts and they, they like the ending. Are you willing to be earnest for the Lord? Are you willing to sell out to develop and train, which we will cover training in a, in a separate episode to really seek the Lord? I'm saying this right here, right now. Earnestness is the key to repentance. And repentance is the fourth step because earnestness will lead to repentance. See, we have to understand who God is and we have to pursue that. And then we have to keep learning him and learning him and learning him and pursuing him in a relationship. And I mean, to the point where it's frustrating to look, we use, we talk about perfect practice. You have to perf, you have to literally practice. You learn to practice to the point of you're about to break because you want it so perfect and you just can't quite get there, but you're just pursuing, pursuing. You need to pursue God like that with all your heart. And if the spirit is in you, you will hunger for it at that level. And, and as you do it more and more and more, I promise you, you will see the results of that and you will bear the fruit that comes with pursuing God. Okay. The fruits of the spirit. And we'll, again, we get into those in later episodes. Those are other 
kind of secondary parts of a process of this, but this main focus here, the entire process hinges on your earnestness. And that is really all about you pursuing God with everything in your, every fiber in your being, everything in your soul that you're going to go after him with an intensity and with all your emotion, with all your mental faculties, all your focus. I mean, every aspect of yourself is about pursuing God in every way, in every aspect of your life. You are completely surrendered to him and you are pursuing him. See, God did not create us just because he loved us, but he wanted a creation that loved him back. That's why he gave us free will. We got free will for that reason. He wants us to love him back. And the first and greatest commandment is we are to love the Lord our God. And our total and complete allegiance, meaning in every aspect of our lives, mentally, physically, relationally, emotionally, all of it, spiritually, every aspect needs to be geared towards him and his will. All right, so we figured, we've established this, that hunger for wanting his word, that hunger for wanting his discipline. You, you should get to a point you want his di discipline, all right? You want it because it will teach you and you wanting that and you developing that desire for that, it will keep you on the straight and narrow, all right? Even when you veer off, you'll veer right back on because your, your heart is so strong for him. All right, so let's get to the repentance part because this will eventually automatically lead you to want to repent because then you're going to start realizing how sinful you are and how perfect he is, and you'll just naturally humble yourself and repent. I'm going to tell you right now, my flesh is wicked and evil. <laughs> I am no better than anybody out here listening. Okay, my flesh, I could go on and all day about my sin. All right, even just in thought, even just in, you know, normal everyday activities that you wouldn't even think of sin. You know, I can kind of recognize that, but it humbles me and that's okay. That's a good thing because it always reminds me of my need for God. All right. So, but this repentance thing, it should, we should be naturally led to repentance. When we're that earnest, when we have that much hunger, we have that, the fire of the spirit inside us and we've disciplined ourselves in God. Now, here we go. All right. So repentance is not just confessing. Okay. And I think a lot of people think that confession is a step of repentance, but repentance is now embracing the discipline. That means the new structure that God's putting in your heart and you following it, you actively following it. So repentance involves all of those pieces. It's not just responding to the conviction, but it's also responding to the discipline the conviction and the discipline. It's got to be both. It doesn't do any good to confess your sin and then to return right back to what you were doing when you were sinning. Okay. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, but the point is this, we don't just respond to the conviction. We have to respond to the discipline. That way we're going in the right direction and we have to practice it. Okay. That, that takes time. You have to break old habits by resetting new ones. You want to, what you, how do you break an old habit is that you reset one. Guys, I have a master's degree in performance psychology. Okay. And <laughs> it's always about setting the right tone. Okay. And you have to set in motion doing the right things to get there. So repentance involves that. It's not just doing it wrong, but it's also, or it's not just confessing what was wrong and acknowledging that. But it's also now about heading and doing what is right and practicing that. 
Okay. We got to practice it. That way we can perfect it in ourselves, make it part of our cellular memory. Okay. So now that we've done that and we understand repentance, we want to be completely transformed. Okay. And this transforming and, and we need to act as though our citizenship is always in heaven. See, Paul talks about that in Philippians three, our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here on earth. So we need to always keep that on the forefront of our mind. We are going to act in a way that represents the gospel, that represents God, it represents Christ, it represents, we are the his ambassadors, we are his vessels, his open vessels, and that how we do that is we always keep our focus on the fact that we are, our citizenship is in heaven. We're not worried about the things of this life. We don't worry about the attachments to this life. There is nothing on earth that I can have that is ever going to bring me the satisfaction and the completeness that knowing Jesus Christ will get, bring me. Philippians 3, again, Paul talks about that. So that's going to be one of the readings that I assign is that we're going to read what I'm going to challenge you guys to do is to read Hebrews chapter 12, read Philippians chapter 3, and go back and make sure you've memorized Romans chapter, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And, and, and practice it and pray it and, and journal it. Okay, because this will help set the righteousness of God in your heart so that you will receive his rebuke and you're okay with his rebuke. You're, you're okay with that conviction, but also his discipline. Don't just ask God to reveal what's wrong, but show me what you want me to do that is within your will. Show me how to do it right. And then give me the opportunities to practice it by both learning your word and then also by applying it. All right, so it has to be a strong focus until you develop habits. See, God put that in you so you'd remember it, but you have to practice it. And by practicing it, you're pursuing him, okay? He wanted, He didn't make it an easy process because he wanted, you, he, he wanted you to become in connection with him by needing him. See, we need God. We can't do it without God. Even Adam and Eve needed God, and they didn't realize it. When they forgot that, that was the problem. They forgot that they needed God, and then they, they ate of the fruit. See, they needed God more than they needed that fruit, but they thought they needed that fruit more than they needed God, and that's what got them into trouble. That's what happened. I mean, ultimately, you want to slice it? That's what happened. They forgot their need for God, and Satan helped them forget that, and that's what he does. The enemy will try to throw you off by making you forget your need for God. The greatest enemy of, the, of, of Satan is to convince you that he's not there, and then he starts helping you try to think that, hey, you know what? You don't need God. He tries to introduce things to make you think you need it yourself. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Revelation chapter 3, it talks about that. It does. It brings it up. So I'm going to finish by reintroducing that concept, okay, and just kind of setting that in motion as a part of this. And I'm going to just read this verse here. And it says, Right here, verse 17, you say, I am rich. I have grown wealthy and need nothing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. See, when we don't acknowledge our need for God, this is what happens right here. And right now the world is saying that it doesn't need God. And I'm saying, I beg to differ. And I'm telling you right here, right now, what we're describing in this earnestness and this all-out pursuit is all about reaching for him, understanding that need, and pursuing that God is going to fulfill all of our needs. These other things of the world are not going to do that. 
So I know we've ran over on time today. I usually keep these at about 20 or so minutes, but I felt this was so important because this is where the rubber meets the road. This is how you develop spiritual maturity. It starts right here. To develop maturity, you have to practice. Practice God. Practice his word. You have, are, are you practicing God? I mean, that's really what the, the challenge is today. Are you willing to practice him? Are you willing to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the discipline, not just the conviction, not just repenting so you can move on and go back to doing what you were doing? Or are you really ready to respond to the discipline part too? So it's really up to you. This is where your response matters, and it's all about your response. So here we go. Let's preset. Let's make it a goal that you are going to open yourself not only to the conviction but to the discipline of God and start walking in that right direction, and then you're going to practice it. You're going to bathe in his word, and then you're going to practice whatever specific thing he's leading you to, to do it in the way that he wants you to do it. Until next time, go forth in total surrender to the one who owns and reigns over all creation.